how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Chris Ferentis. Chris is the founder and CEO of Surefire Local. Prior to Surefire Local, Chris is the CEO of Ad, and then he also held leadership positions at AOL. Chris, welcome, man. Happy to have you on the show. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, the name, it was Ad This, that I was a CEO. Ad This. Okay. Ad versus Ad. Yeah, I I thought it was kind of short, but okay. Thanks for correcting me. Happy to have you on, man. So let's do this. Let's, you know, I love, I love chatting with you in advance and just kind of hearing your, your backstory, which I want to get into in a second, but let's do a quick revenue rundown. So everybody has some context in terms of where you're at in the journey with your company and team size, all that. So let's start with your AR. Where are you at in terms of that? We just passed uh, 20 million. We're at 20.3 million approximately after March. And we'll be at a little over 30 million, probably around 31, 32 million by the end of the year. So we're growing super fast. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that because that's insane, making the jump from 20 to, to 32 in one year. And by the way, for, you know, I know sometimes you'll, you'll listen to a podcast in the past or show in the past, but we're, we're in, I don't know, seven days into April when we're recording this. And Chris is already telling me what his final number is for the year, which I absolutely love. So he's got some confidence there. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Um, what's your go to market strategy, Chris? You know, we changed it, uh, honestly, over the last, you know, couple of years. Um, we were very much, you know, um, just, you know, study, like, I, studying the SaaS market, studying the go-to-market motions, you know, reading predictable revenue, like probably a lot of people who listen to this thing does, you know, and you really start to think about a multi-step, you know, inbound, SDRs, pass to a salesperson, all that stuff. And, you know, we're a little bit different. Our, our, our target, our TAM is, you know, is professional services businesses that are white collar, blue collar, you know, that need to generate customers within a geography. So think medical practices, attorneys, um, you know, home contractors, roofers, you know, things like that. And, you know, it, you know, it's a very transactional business. And I spent, while we've been building the products, probably spent the first, you know, eight years, nine years of this business, you know, using that. And we grew and we made the Inc. 5,000, you know, seven years in a row, something like that. You know, we were growing you know, anywhere from 25 to 40% a year. So it wasn't, it wasn't awful, but, you know, we weren't getting, you know, sort of this exponential growth. And, um, and I ran into um, who is now our new CRO, a guy named Mike Pierce, who really, you know, has been involved in this transactional sales model with other, you know, sort of earlier products, you know, Yodel, Main Street Hub, recently left the CRO of Digital Pharmacist. And it was just magical. It was a completely different way to think about the go-to-market motion. It was primarily outbound. You know, um, 30% of our, of our sales are probably from inbound activities. We still do have inbound, you know, marketing activities, but outbound. And, you know, what's most amazing about what we've been able to accomplish is you know, from the get-go, you know, he came in, I think, in like August of 20, 
you know, we, I think, more than doubled sales in September. And then sequentially, we, we ended March doing about 162,000 MRR, new, new bookings. Um, you know, so, you know, we're really, you know, scaling in a very, very big way. And we have been adding a lot of dollars you know, to scale. We have about 45 salespeople. Um, but as we've been doing that, our CAC has gone down. Our CAC is probably about a third of what it was before. What is it? So when you like, look at all the sales, our CAC is about $5,000, a little over $5,000 per customer. Our payback period is about eight months because our ASP is about $1,100. Um, you know, so, so, you know, we, we really, you know, have super efficient growth, um, you know, and great LTV to CAC and all those other things. Um, so, you know, what I'd encourage all those other entrepreneurs out there to do is like never settle, you know, it's one of our, you know, we have these like five values to our company. One of them is never settling on the product, on sales, whatever it is. Um, and we have a really tenacious group of people that are always trying to get better every day. Um, but you know, it, it, it just was super, it's super exciting to see, you know, how, how we're, uh, how we're growing like that. So, yeah, I definitely want to dig into that. That sounds unbelievable. Uh, and I love what you're doing there. So we're definitely going to dig into there. So let's finish going through this and I want to circle back to that. Uh, so how, how large is your team? You said 45 on sales, how many total? Well, we have a you know we have an Austin team, we have a you know DC based team, and then we've got a team in Manila with um, with developers mostly and help desk. Um, globally, we have about two hundred and fifty some odd people. Okay, two hundred and fifty, and then can you give like a real brief summary of your solution in terms of what exactly it does and the outcomes it creates? Yeah, so. The problem we're solving is, you know, you know, uh, these small business owners are overwhelmed and frustrated and confused. And the reason is, is that, you know, digital, the internet changed marketing. And for them, in their mind, you know, maybe not for the better, because it used to be they could, you know, do their plans once a year in December, you know, create their print ads and buy them in a few different places or radio ads or TV ads or whatever, set it, forget it, not think about it through a whole year. But when, you know, sort of the modern web, web 2.0, whatever came along in 2009, 2010, really changed the game. And I call it atomizing that, that internet, right? So mm-hmm. it created all these channels, organic, paid, you know, directory listings, um, and then, you know, there are things like CRMs and email marketing and now text messaging and all these things that could help you run your business in what's called a modern marketing, you know, paradigm. Part yeah. of modern marketing, right, is leveraging data so you get smarter, right? Um, and then, you know, leveraging names that you collect so you're no longer renting eyeballs by interrupting people and seeing if they'll respond to you. You're When they respond to you, you're collecting those names. And then for free, you can market to those people in email and text messages, other means, right? So this modern marketing platform is available, you know, but, you know, it's only been available through like Adobe Marketing Cloud to super large brands, 
Right. So we're bringing the power of that marketing platform and make it super simple to use. And with all the benefits of a data lake and big data and benchmarking the peers, knowing where you get the best return on your investment and collecting the names of people by integrating into all your CRMs, but being able to activate those names so you can bring down your average marketing costs. So that's a lot, right? But what we do is make it super simple and have customer success you know, built in a way that guides that 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 um, that that you know company, that founder, or that 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 owner, or their office admin through it, and we integrate software in the way they run their business. So we have a mobile app, right? So if you're a, a remodeler or a roofer, you know you're taking pictures, and then when Mr. And Mrs. Smith are happy with their roof, you could say, "Hey, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, you seem really happy with this roof. Yeah, we were super happy. Do you mind if I just send you for, for a review?" you're 68% more likely to get a positive review if you do it at that point of satisfaction, right? So software solves a lot of problems. It's kind of analogous to digital transformation we saw you know, in the first year or two of this um, COVID pandemic, where you saw all e-commerce, kind right. of you know, Shopify took off and, e- and you know, big commerce took off. What they did for e-commerce, we're doing for the services businesses and just giving them software to make it simple for them to operate their business and all their customer interactions across all these different places. It sounds like an awesome solution. So, I mean, I can see the need, especially with, with some of the roles you mentioned, because you don't have folks that I would say are the most technically savvy or deep technical expertise. They have their own functional expertise, whether it be like you're saying, a lawyer or a doctor or um, a repairman or, or contractor, roofing, whatever. Um, so I can see how valuable that would be because that would massively simplify a lot of things for them. And then are you bootstrapped or funded? We're bootstrapped. I mean, when I say bootstrapped, I mean, I had the benefit of, you know, being at AOL through seven stock splits. So I did okay. And then had a few other friends that were with me doing that. So we, you know, we put in our own own money to create a preferred stack. Um you know, but we're not, we, you know, the only, we have a VC in the company was only because we bought one of their companies, um, you know, crammed them down a bit and, and bought one of their companies and they have a small piece of it, but not, not anything right. large or, you know, controlling. Yeah, that's good. So, so let's go back to your, your go-to-market motion. Cause like to, to make those big jumps, and you started to talk about it, and I didn't, I didn't want to gloss over it. I just wanted to, you know, kind of give everybody the full full stack of where you're at. So, how did you make such a big jump over that? It sounded like a year long period, right? From March to March, you hired a CRO. Was that about right? A year? Um, in um, July or August of 2020 is when we started the Austin office with that CRO, okay. and he brought in a head of sales. We hired six people to say, okay, will this experiment work? And it just started doing super well. And, uh, and it took off from there. So let's break that down. So you mentioned your deal size about 1100 a month, right in there based on what, what you said. So we're talking higher, low end deal of what, maybe 12 K Right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Twelve yeah, twelve to twenty K, you know. Twelve to twenty K. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's mm-hmm. brought you in between small and then mid 
mid-size yeah. deals if you look at it, right? The bottom and the mid. So what was the exact motion that that you leveraged for that? And you know, how did how did that start to explode from those that small group of people that you added? Yeah, you know, it's super interesting. Um the first thing we did, right? So yeah, I should probably preface this to say that you know, we we evolved from a managed services company where you know the DNA of this company is on the, the thesis of small business owners now could take control versus just abdicating because they're, they're frustrated, confused, overwhelmed, probably pissed off because they really don't understand what's going on and why. So they keep on hiring and firing new people every year or two. That's why there's such bad churn in this, in this industry. And, and uh, you know, the, the thesis um, when I wrote a book that started from a book was if a business owner um, uh, took control of their presence across all these um, new, uh, new uh, you know, sort of platforms, organic, paid, you know, reviews, all those things, and had consistent structured data, you know, built into that, right? And then really what, you know, for example, SEO is about today is pinging that, right? Is just like adding a new picture, adding a new review, adding a featured message, adding, but you, you can't just set and forget you've got, so you got to be efficient at that. But in the beginning, there weren't APIs that existed with all these different channels and tools to be able to integrate into a stack, right? So we did it as a managed services offering where we did it for them and Mm. did that, right? And it proved super successful. And we were getting like sort of cream of the crop. You know, we started out in home services, home improvement, cream of the crop contractors, a lot of the big brands like Carrier and Renewal by Anderson. And um, the others saw us like really helping their bigger contractors. So they started telling other contractors to hire us. So it started scaling, you know, and we had to scale the managed services piece of it. By 2014, I realized that APIs are becoming mature enough that we could actually build a platform like the Adobe Marketing Suite and create those benefits. Hey, Chris, um, can I interrupt yeah. you real quick for context? When did you start the, the managed services business, I should say, in the consulting? 2011. Okay, so it's 2011. So you did that for three years, and then 2014, you made the jump. Go ahead with APIs. Well, we, didn't make the ju- we we actually started building it. We started didn't launch it to our customers until 2017. We used it internally for our customer success reps, and it mm. helped us scale. What we saw is our gross margins going up because we were able to scale much more efficiently. And we said, "Gee," and then you know, what technology also does is give you consistent outcomes, right? When you have a lot of humans involved, especially scaling at that level, there's a lot of room for error, especially when you think talking about things like structured data and like, you know, it's got to be, right? So, um, so we found more consistent outcomes, better gross margins for us. So, you know, better for our customers, better for us. And then we started saying, you know, gee, there's a lot of things, you know, this new modern marketing paradigm it's super inefficient for a company to hire an agency, for example, to do reviews for them. So that means I get all these customers and somehow I got to give them to you and you send it out. And then if someone replies, you know, then you got to figure out what they did. It's super inefficient. Getting pictures, you know, like I have to collect all these pictures, give it to somebody. 
So we started to realize software could create much more efficiency because you know the currency of visibility is around content. You know, content is a new review. Content is a picture. Content is you know a featured message somewhere. Content is you know a special offer in paperclick or whatever it might be. But content's the currency, right? So we built a, a content manager with APIs into all these places. And then give them the ability to be able to manage, you know, a pay-per-click on their own. So all of a sudden, instead of them paying a vendor 50 cents on a dollar to do PPC for them, for smaller campaigns, which 95% of them are doing, campaigns under $3,000 a month, we actually have them all. Because, you know, if you did, you know, 100, 300, 500 chiropractors, you know, you kind of dial that in with Google. Google's a big strategic partner of ours. Where, you know, you, you know, so more of their dollars go now to, you know, getting new customers versus in my pocket. So we move it to a software solution versus a managed services solution. So that all happened. We launched it in 2017. We started to observe how our customers are using it. That we wanted to prove the hypothesis that customers would use software for digital marketing and they would use more than one. There's not one killer application they'd use. Right a bunch of different things. And we just saw the engagement in the platform just literally month over month going up. And they were using all different things. Learned a lot about that. And then my CTO and I got together and we said, you know, we've learned a lot. Our customers are giving a lot of good feedback. Let's create the next generation of this. So um, we hired an outside company, an engineering company to come in, to do a lot of surveys of our customers and focus groups and you know, we just did a whole UX UI. We reorganized our databases to make the um, the data lake a lot faster, cleaner, make it expansible for other other um, types of applications, and make it really um, you know a, a true data lake. And launched uh, the next generation to, of of the platform to our customers in 2019, and just saw this huge leap. You know, because the UX UI was just super clean, really great. Um, learned a lot. And, um, and then we realized we had a software product, you know, mm-hmm. but it was really difficult to get the sales and marketing and customer success part of the organization to shift their mentality. Our salespeople were still doing, you know, presentations, not a demo of the software, but about, you know, Google's really mysterious and tough and you need us to help you figure that out. You know, and you kind of sound like everybody else out there, except we have a technology solution, right? Right. And that's why we really didn't see the momentum in sales. And we didn't see the adopt, like, you know, we, we didn't see, you know, more and more adoption in the platform. So I, I met um, this person who's got experience in, in, you know, in scaling sales for software companies. And the first thing he did was stop the PowerPoint and our sales presentations a demo immediately saw sales traction, right? But here's the super interesting thing. And we've got graphs of this in some of our you know, corporate you know, charts. Um, you could see before Mike got here, the number of interactions in the platform using the old. So nothing in the back end got fixed. You know, implementation or customer success was still doing the same thing they were doing before. But by simply changing the sales motion to a demo of the platform and setting expectations, you're going to do these things. 
it literally you know, increased the engagement by four times of those new customers coming on by just changing the sales motion. So, so wait, let me ask you a follow-up question. That's great. So, so I, I love this. So you went from PowerPoint to actually walking through the platform and then he was basically guided your team to position on the outcomes, right? Like these are the outcomes you're going to get when you use this. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and what did he show for that? Was he showing like, cause I, I, I love doing that. And I work with a lot of customers. That's one of the key things. Like you'll see organizations that are really strong, but they don't know how they don't know how to tangibly um, quantify outcomes that they're creating for customers. Yeah, so the good buy. news is we have a huge data lake, right? We track and measure everything. So if you think about the data we're sitting on, it's like three piles of data. One is, you know, the customer, you know, what, you know, and it's all structured data about that customer. So, you know, what categories, what are their service areas, how big are they? Um, you know, you know, everything about that, you know, badges, recognitions, manufacturers, even they're associated with if it's on the on the contractor side, you know, um, then we have another pile of data that's around how customers are interacting with that business all across all these different, you know, channels and tools. And then we have another set of data about outcomes, right? So we're able now to be able to use that data. So in that sales process, we're able to create some slides that say, look, if you do these seven things, you know, every month, you know, with some level of frequency, you know, here's on average what our customers get. Oh, love that. Love that. So do these seven things, average of outcomes. And then you said that that alone forexed your conversions. Are you saying forex like no, not convert it forex then the interactions that our customers what I found fascinating about that, right? Just change like it shows you how important. Like we, we think very hard about the entire customer journey and making it congruent, right? Right. So the first part of our transformation after getting the product, as I described, right, was sales. You know, so all of a sudden we go to demo, just doing that, not changing onboarding, not changing our customer six. They were still acting as if it was a, you know, managed services company, honestly. You know, but you can't do everything at once. Right. That's the frustration of an entrepreneur. You want yeah, everything done exactly. you know, right away. But I, I've learned you can't do everything at once. We did that. Just that alone got our customers thinking that I've got to participate in this thing. I'm going to use this platform. Just that messaging in the sales process quadrupled the interactions every month that these new customers had in the platform, which okay. we knew like, wow, the light bulb went off. Like, they will use software in a big way. They want, in fact, that's what they're buying. That's what they're buying, right? So, you know, what we've done, you know, then, then after we saw the sales just start really climbing um, in, uh, what was it, uh, in, in April of 21, we brought on a head of customer success to, you know, sort of change leadership and, and you know, bring in, and, and we've just invested several hundred thousand dollars, two to $300,000 um, in, you know, now connecting a lot of our customer success systems for omni-channel, you know, smart bots, give customer support in big ways. So like, you know, we'll be world-class by the, by the middle of this year. That sounds amazing. So all this big data, so all this big data 
And now we're, we, we, we translate every phone call into real-time text, feed that into an AI machine that starts giving us feedback about where friction is and what's going on. It's, it's super cool. And what, what tools are you using for that in terms of, you said that the AI you're feeding the phone calls into? Yeah, we're using Involve.ai and then we're using um, Salesforce Service Desk um, to do the, the call. Uh, you know, and we also have Help Desk ticket. So like, there's so much going into Evolve.ai. They love us as a customer because we're probably giving them more data. Because think about it, all that structured data is going in there too, along with all this unstructured data from the conversations our customer success people, implementation people are having. You know, so we can start to focus on specific problems where customers get stuck, just gets a smart, like, you know, now we're in this cycle that we just get smarter and smarter every month, every quarter. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's the way to do it. And it sounds like you're, you've done a great way to automate a lot of those components that are typically not automated and people walk right by, which give you massive insights that 99% of the people, others don't see. So how did you like... You know, because like you're saying, the challenge with entrepreneurs, they want everything done all at once, right? How did you identify that as an opportunity? Was it just like you saw how effective that data lake that you had was internally? And you're like, okay, we got to leverage this for every piece of our business. Or what were you thinking? Dude, this was drawn on a whiteboard when I started the company. Really? This is why, yeah. I, I always imagined big data feeding and making it smarter. Um, I was early and have a lot of arrows in my back. You know, <laughs> I first tried to do this probably 2013, 2014 with, you know, sort of some primitive products like, you know, Infusionsoft at the time, the housekeep and some other thing where I tried to like, you know, leverage all this, you know, smart sheets and this and, you know, and and it just kept on breaking and whatever. But I was always in the pursuit. You know, it, it's funny because I like to tell my executive team now, who are superstars and much smarter than me. Um, but uh, I'm finally fulfilling that dream that we had. Well, way to stay with it, man. With all the the arrows in the back and everything. Yeah, exactly. Um, and congrats to being that persistent over over that time frame, So let me ask you this, like with all the growth you have, what would you say is the single biggest challenge that you're running into now in terms of growing revenue? Um, you know, it, it's, it's really on the retention side, you know, we sort of, that's the last piece. And, you know, it, to, to tell you the truth, we are so, we're, we didn't hire any salespeople the first half of this year in our plan because we wanted to let the customer success side catch up. The problem is our sales team is getting so much more efficient every month. You know, um, we're probably selling, um, you know, 40% higher every month than what we projected. So, you know, we're going to, you know, we were planning on adding more salespeople to then scale middle of the year once all those things were in place. And what you find is when, you know, trying to keep up with onboarding and, you know, all these new customers, right. You know, um, we're just, you know, learning by fire and it's, it's um, that, that's the trickiest part. I think we're doing super well, but 
we're definitely leaving revenue on the table because we're not able to follow up with people that are not responsive, for example, in the implementation phase or things like that. Where Now we're hiring a team of people that's just going to be all over those. And with all this data that we've got flagged that early, you know, when they're not responsive or whatever, so that we, you know, so there's, there's a lot where, there's a lot where, where the, the, the systems are catching up with the scale, you know, mm. um, you know, honestly, it's, it's not a terrible problem to have because, you know, ARR wise, we're probably, you know, $600,000 ahead of where we're, our, our budget as of, you know, end of March. Um, but, but, uh, you know, uh, that's one of those things I can't wait to, you know, implement. I'm very impatient trying to you know, get those things implemented. Well, and that's, I mean, yeah, it's a great problem to have that you're, you're growing so fast. You're having a hard time keeping up with it in terms of that. However, like how is the sales team getting more efficient every month and, and making improvements by you're saying oh, above 40% over projections, like month over month, what, what, What's the, I don't want to say the secret sauce because I hate that because there's no secret sauce. It's usually a combination of a lot of things, but you know, what are the top three to five things you would attribute that to? Well, you know, there's uh, something called the playbook that Mike Pierce came here with, which is a playbook that was used by, you know, Yodel and uh, Main Street Hub and uh, Digital Pharmacist when he was CRO there that is nothing short of magical in, in how to think about driving a transactional, um, you know, uh, SAS, you know, or a transactional business. And, um, you know, that, that really just saw an immediate effect. Then we, we spent money on software, some really cool, innovative software, um, that a lot of the people who were in that orbit built just for transactional, we were the first customer of that. And it's become super sophisticated and it's really built to make the sales organization really, really efficient. You're talking like outreach or a, a solution like that, like in terms of outbound or what, what kind of software yeah, you're talking about? It's, it's something Gone. like that. I don't want to say, I don't want to say because I don't want to, um, I don't want to give away our, our, you know, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get investor stock in that first before I'm trying to put some money in that thing. But but um, but it's it's been it, it's really interesting in that, again, it's software that gets smarter over time, giving the right lead to the right the right salesperson. But, you know, it's also about the data you're putting into it at the top. It's about um, the way we organize the sales organization super sophisticated. You know, we've got, you know, like one sales manager for every salesperson and they could jump into any call, listen in, they could whisper to the salesperson. So they could look at when someone, when a call is at 25 minutes, they know they're getting to whether they're going to close the deal or not. The sales manager could pop in, see where they're at, start whispering something. And if they want to, if they were trying to close a deal, they could say, Hey, my, my sales manager would, you know, I'd want to bring him on. Cause I think there's some, so it's just super sophisticated, um, strategies, tactics, technologies that we've enabled on the sales side. That's made that happen. So wait, let me make sure I understand you. So you have a one-to-one sales manager to sales rep ratio. 
No, no, no. One to 10. Oh, one to 10. Okay. Okay. I thought you said one to one. Yeah, no, one to 10. I've never heard of that before. So one to 10. um, One to 10. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Okay. So we're, we're just about up on time. So we got to wrap things up, but I want to do a quick founder fire and, and just ask you a few questions. So who's the number one founder or CEO that you look up to or think is doing an amazing job right now? Wow. Uh, well, my uh, Elon Musk is like sort of my idol. You know, I think I think Jeff Bezos, I mean, that's at the sort of, I guess, really super high end. Um, but the reason why I think is the most is, is probably the thing that is it's, you know, both neither one of them look at you know, a lot of us become obsessed about looking at competition. And when you look at competition and you keep on measuring yourself at competition, you are immediately defining yourself as being average. And, you know, we've never mm-hmm. looked at competition and what we're doing. And I think the reason why we ended up with the best product and something nobody's ever thought about, and this idea of a data lake, like there's nobody doing what we're doing in our space, right? But it's because I didn't obsess about, hey, what feature does this thing have or that thing have or whatever? It's really about how do I solve this problem for my customer? So that's why those two guys. I love that. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's a great answer because um, you're you're creating a new category. So you're taking that category design approach to handling it. At least that's my interpretation of it. So so okay. So that's yeah. He's he's one of the most reference. It's like him and Steve Jobs. I would say are one and two. Branson right. maybe a close third. Um, yeah, what's yeah. your what's your a favorite your favorite book that you've read over the last couple of years? Oh, wow. Well, um, recently, and I did a study on it, is um, Dante's Divine Comedy, <laughs> which is pretty Oh, intense. really? Yeah. Like, you know, um, you know uh, I just, you know, uh, I've heard a lot of, about it and just, um, I think there's a lot of lessons in life, you know, around that, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, so I, that, I, 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 you know, that's what I recently did. Okay, cool. That's, that's good. I've not, that hasn't come up before. What's your favorite yeah. podcast or show? <laughs> What's that? What? Favorite podcast or show that, that you watch or listen to? Probably Rogan. Joe you Rogan. Know? Yeah. 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 I think he's got a combination of, you know, um, sort of business, but it's not like this bullshit like, you know, where you're like, I try to be real, you know, hopefully you see that when I go to these CEO, you know, round table, it might be because of my age and I just don't give a shit, but <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, everyone is super guarded or whatever. And I think there's something that he does that, um, that gets people, you know, to sort of be more real, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's more constructive, you know, for everybody. Yeah, that's. Yeah, he's got a great show. Um, okay, and then last but not least, what? Well, I think I might have two more, but this one. What advice would you give to your yourself starting a company or earlier stages that you know now, being where you're at at that twenty million plus mark? It's going to take a lot longer and cost a lot more money than you think. <laughs> <laughs> that's great advice. You know, that's, a, that's that's great advice because you know that. That's that's what you see a lot of people are get so frustrated because it's not going fast enough and um, and never give up. I mean, honestly, you know, um, you know, the young young 
men that I, I mentors. I, I, I like there's a book that Seth Gooden wrote, The Dip. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've heard um, about it. Yeah, they referenced it in billions. The book was referenced in billions. I watched that yeah. show. Yeah. And and it's so right on, man. You know, the thing about being it, it it's just never ever giving up. If you're gonna give up, give up before you decide to do it. Just say, okay, I'm not gonna, like, that's what I'm saying. It's going to cost more. It's going to take longer. It's going to be more painful than you ever imagined, right? So just know that because most people give up in that dip when everything looks the worst and it's about to take off. Right. But, yeah. That's good. I'm going to, I'm going to have to read that book. I think I'm going to put it on audio book. It's, it sounds like a quick read, right? Oh yeah, it's oh. super quick. So you, you yeah. can do it in like two hours. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, I'll have to yeah. check that out because there's. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think um, where do you see the future of tech going? I see the future of tech going. Um, you know, like you know, data. You know, uh, data is the is sort of the currency of everything. Like you know, people talk about AI and metaverse and you know, all these things, you know, but people underestimate how hard it is to get all these data systems talking together and then putting them in a common, you know, data structure, making that scalable and being able to extract it to do things with it. Right. So, you know, I think that entrepreneurs really always need to think about a data first strategy because that data is really what creates the moat for your business. So good. All right, man. Well, Chris, it was awesome having you on the show. Uh, I love the insights that you dropped and, and sharing your story. So thanks for being on, man. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Good luck with yeah. it. Yeah. We're going to take off now, but look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.